We are in this new year and, and we're, we're talking about how God has brought about this kingdom, this kingdom of God. You know, seeing the, the trouble the world is in is not hard. You know, understanding why and, and what can be done, well, that, that requires faith. That, that requires a little divine intervention and, and truly a willing heart. And the good news is that, is that Christ has come. And with him has come the, the kingdom of God and this new life. And so we can now have life in the kingdom of God, which is our theme for 2022. Last week we talked about and got definition for the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the governing authority of Jesus over powers, people, and places for God's praise according to the scriptures. And what we know that the is for certain is that the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God has come, but we live in an already and not yet. The kingdom has come into the world and it is growing and the kingdom has come into us who believe and it is growing. It has not yet reached its fulfillment. That won't happen until Christ returns. And so now what we're seeking to do is to acknowledge the kingdom of God and to experience life in the kingdom of God. And as citizens of the kingdom of God, we have this wonderful, precious gift. We have access to God. And in his lifetime ministry, one of the things that Jesus taught his disciples to do is how to experience that access to God with prayer. And what we as, as, as citizens of the kingdom of God are able to do is to follow this pattern, this method, this structure, this prayer that we're going to study. It's known as the Lord's Prayer. It, it truly is the, the, the prayer of the citizens of the kingdom of God. And today, today we're going to focus on who we pray to and how it is we are to pray to him. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, let's go to Matthew chapter six. Matthew chapter six, we're gonna be in verse nine. And this is the beginning of the Lord's Prayer. Uh, Rhett is gonna come and, and read for us. Let's all stand together in honor of God's word. Again, we're in the midst of the Sermon on the Mount. We're in chapter six, we're in verse nine, the beginning of the Lord's Prayer. Rhett, Rhett read that for us. Praise and like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Rhett, for that very lengthy reading. I'm just kidding. Good job, buddy. If you would go ahead and be seated. Some readings, you know, you just never know what you're going to get. Rhett just happened to pick a good day. This, uh, this text is powerful. You know, when Christ came into the world, he brought the kingdom of God. Memorize this and remember this. This is Mark chapter 1, verse 15. As we're walking through this understanding of the kingdom of God, uh, this is a crucial text. Jesus said, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Through Moses and the prophets, we were told that Jesus would come and he now has come. And when Christ came, he came bringing the kingdom of God and with him living hope. And we talked about that last week, that what we have in the kingdom of God is a living hope. And that hope stirs in our hearts and enables us to have such a powerful personal relationship with God. And this relation to God is very important. During this, his lifetime ministry, Jesus took the 12 aside. He, 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 he trained them. And in his public discourse, he taught them as well. And what we see him teaching today, what we see and we're going to see over the next few weeks is he taught them how to pray. These men, these apostles, uh, they, they would soon become the leaders who would launch the church, the church that would be responsible for sharing and spreading the kingdom of God all over the world. Jesus was teaching them to pray. It's important to understand 
that, that these guys, even though they spent a lot of time with Jesus, honestly, at this point, they really didn't understand the kingdom of God. And they really didn't understand who it is Jesus is. And they surely did not understand their place in it because they were all the time arguing about who was the greatest and, and, and what they wanted and how they wanted it to be. And if we're honest, sometimes we're a lot more like the disciples than we want to be. In a lot of ways, we, we need to really dig deeper to understand what is the kingdom of God and who is this Jesus and what is our place in this kingdom. It should comfort us it should comfort us to know that these disciples, they didn't have it all figured out. And I want to encourage you, don't get frustrated where you are in your spiritual life. There's going to be highs, there's going to be lows, and there's always going to be room for improvement. There's always going to be room for growth. The kingdom of God has come and the kingdom of God is coming. And so you're in process and this, this process is very important and, and you just can't get down on yourself. That, that, that's what I'm saying. You know, if I ever want to get my father-in-law to laugh, all I have to do is talk about my, my, my sophomore year, uh, basketball season because it was somewhat atrocious. I, I had gotten a lot of good press for football that year and the basketball season, well, it just, it wasn't going very well. It was kind of like Vanderbilt versus South Carolina yesterday. I mean, just no shots could be made. I mean, it was just, it was just ugly. And so I was mad about it. He said, what's wrong? And I said, well, I'll tell you what the headline needs to be. Pettis is pathetic. And he thought that was the greatest thing ever. He, he still laughs about that saying. If people would ask me, how's it going? I'd say, Pettis is pathetic. That's how it's going. Sometimes in your spiritual life, that's may, that may be how you feel. You know, that you're pathetic. Friends, you're not. You're not pathetic. You're, you're on a journey. There, there's always going to be room for growth. And what you got to be very careful of is when you begin to get a handle on things and you begin to see some growth, don't get arrogant. You know, as that basketball season went on, I got a little bit better. And I started to get a little bit of arrogance in me. And we, we had a game, and I was talking a little bit too much. And, and we were playing a team that, that had a, a University of Memphis commit. And uh, I tried to block that guy's shot. Well, it didn't go well. As a matter of fact, the picture in the paper showed what appeared to be him be sitting on my head while he was dunking on me. One of the things I learned from that is, you know, just when you think everything is going great, it's not going as great as you think it is. And when things are going bad, it's, it's not always as bad as you think it is. Friends, don't, get, don't fall into despair and don't fall into pride. The devil's always trying to get us to do one of those two, one of those pits. What, he, what God wants us to do is to stay on that narrow road of humble confidence. The devil's always going to lead us to despair, I'm pathetic, or pride, I've got this all figured out. No, no, no. It's this narrow road, this narrow road of humble confidence. And the Lord's prayer helps us, helps us get on and stay on that road to, to really lean into who God is. And so over the next few weeks, here's what we're going to do. We're going to work line by line through this prayer. So today, Lord willing, we're going to talk about praying to the Holy Father of the King. We're going to look in verse 9. Then next week, we're going to look at praying for the Holy Kingdom, looking at verse 10. Then praying for the kingdom needs, verse 11. Praying with kingdom hope, verse 12. And then we're going to end on February the 6th, praying for kingdom victory, which is found in verse 12. But today, let's dig down into verse 9. Let's learn how citizens of the kingdom of God pray. And, and we do it the way Jesus says to. Look at verse 9. Pray then like this. He couldn't be more clear. 
Jesus is being adamant. And what he does here is, is he makes a comparison. Now go back to verse five. Go back to verse five and glance through verse eight. And, and what he's doing is he's, he's making a comparison to how hypocrites pray versus how Jesus wants us to pray. And, and just kind of look at how hypocrites pray. One of the things Jesus says is that, is that they pray because, and they think their prayers are important because of their position, because, because they, they think that, that, that the place they have is, is, is powerful, so that makes their prayers powerful, or, or because they use a lot of big words, or they have a lot of words. And, and Jesus makes it real clear. He ain't impressed with none of that. It's not our position. It's, it's not our placement when we're praying. It's certainly not the words that we use that matter to God. What matters to God is how we come to him. You know, one of the things I love uh, that we have, and I'm so grateful that we have, are our videos of our children when they were young and hearing them talk. I, I love to hear their little voices now and remember how their speech would slur and slip up and, and, and how their little words were just... You know, they just had such a limited vocabulary. And I even love it now when children in our church, when they come up to me after services and they'll, they want to talk to me and they're bringing up their artwork and, and showing it to me. It makes me especially laugh when they, they interrupt people because they don't care, right? It's like, Pastor Jason's my pastor. And I love that about children. Children, they're not, they're not worried if they have the position. They don't even worry if their words are perfectly right. They, they, just, they just know, okay, I can... I can come into this situation. I can come to my dad. I can come to my pastor. You know, one of the things I love about God is that we can come to him and we can acknowledge our need to him. It is not about our words. And I know some of you struggle to pray out loud. I want you to understand what, what, what's happening to you. You know, you'll talk about recipes and restaurants. You'll talk about sports teams and politics and the pandemic. But praying out loud terrifies you. And here's why. Because you're worried about how you sound. You're worried about how you look. You're, you're worried about how you're perceived. Friends, God loves it when you come to him like the child you are. Coming with humble confidence. Humble because you don't have big words necessarily. You don't have any big position, whatever. You're just a child of the king and you have the privilege to come. And so speak of him and speak to him publicly. He loves to hear your voice. Pray out loud. Pray with your friends. Pray with your family. Pray with people that are, that are hurting. Pray. And, and as a citizen of the kingdom of God, do these three things. Take note and remember. First of all, citizens of the kingdom of God pray with intimacy like Christ. Pray with intimacy like Christ. Look at verse 9, middle, middle verse there, the middle of the phrase there. Pray like this. Our Father. You know, there, there have been entire sermons preached on those two words. As I read a, a, a few of them this week. Our Father. This is relational language. Our speaks of our relationship to one another. Father speaks of our relationship to Him. Our Father. Notice it's not my Father. Now, of course, He is my Father. But the reason why I'm able to say our Father and the reason why you can say our Father is because at some point, God became your father, your personal father through saving faith in Jesus Christ. See, if you're a Christian today, you've been, you've been made a child of God, not because you've earned it, but by faith. You, you understand that the world is broken. That's not real hard for you. What, what was hard and what may be hard for some of you is to acknowledge that the reason why your life is broken and the world is broken is because of sin. 
remembering and, and, and sometimes and wanting to forget on purpose that God's design was perfection, but we messed it up with our sin. And the way we are saved is when we repent. That is, we turn away from trusting ourselves or anything else and believe the gospel, the good news that Jesus has died for our sins and been raised. And it is as that kind of believer that we're able to pursue and recover God's design, but we don't do it in isolation. No, no, no. God's will is that we are saved personally, but then never privately. We're always in community. And so we are praying our father. And we're doing this because of Galatians 4. Galatians 4 says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, look at this. God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. And this is why Jesus teaches us to pray, our Father. Because we share a connection to God. And we share a connection to one another. Because God is our, my Father, he is now our Father. I'm connected to God just as you are. And we are connected to, to, to one another in Christ. Our Father. And every committed Christian is always going to be a covenant member of a local church. Friends, if you have not yet joined this local church, you need to do it. The best way, the only way to do it, and the fastest way to do it is to immediately sign up for our membership class. Now, hopefully you got one of those bulletins on the way in. And if you didn't, grab one, because if you'll look at the top right corner, you're gonna see a QR code. If you'll pull out your phone and you'll put your camera on that, it'll open up an option for you to sign up for our M&M class, Membership and Ministry. And I would love to spend a few hours with you on that Sunday night talking about and eating a lot of M&Ms, but talking about ministry and membership. Now, now, some of you are already members of the church, but you're not connected and you're not serving. I wanna challenge you. If you're a member of this church, but you're not engaged, come to the M&M meeting. Come and renew your commitment to the life of the church and let's get you, let's get you connected. Uh, another great way, and again, this is on that QR code, you'll see that, that there's also some equipped courses. Uh, you can be a part of Rooted. Rooted is a great experience. Again, if you're, if you're not connected in the life of this church, you need to go through Rooted. And if you've been through Rooted and you're not connected, what that means is it didn't take. You're not Rooted. You need to get Rooted. So go through Rooted again. And you need to experience this to be a part of what God's doing. Jesus, Jesus calls us to be a part of his church. He calls us to this collective experience so that we can say, our Father in heaven. Again, this is how Jesus prayed when he was preparing to die for us. Mark 14, 36. And he said, this is Jesus. Abba, Father. All things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. See, here's what Jesus knew, is that God the Father had the perfect plan. And he knew what he wanted, what was most comfortable for him, but he said, God, I don't want what I want. I want what you want. And what he was in essence saying is, God, I trust you more than I trust my comfort. I trust you and I wanna do exactly your will. And so he cried out, our father, and we can too, because again, Romans 8, 15, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, the sons by whom we cry, Abba, father, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. God is our father. And I know that there are some, and I've heard this for years 
that have a problem with this patriarchal language pertaining to God. And friends, regardless of what you may feel or think about that, God has revealed himself to us as father. Not, not in a neutral, not in whatever way we want him to be identified. He has communicated that he is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And we are to come to him as our Father. And I know there's others who say, well, I, I didn't have a good father. And so thinking about God as a father is very bothersome to me. Let me remind you of something. If you had a bad father, the reason you knew he was a bad father is because you know what a good father ought to be. And the reason you know what a good father ought to be is because God is that good father. The Bible says that a good father is one who provides for his children, instructs his children to be wise, disciplines his children, cares for his children. And this is what the Bible teaches that God does for us. And, and so I agree with Tim Keller who once wrote, from now on, let's measure human fathers by the standards of God. God is the perfect father. God is the good father. And all of us fathers, and I am one, know every time we pray our father, we're being judged. And we know we're only going to be saved by grace because there's no way we live up to that. This is the father you've all longed for, whether you have a good one or a bad one. God is the ultimate perfect father. And we can trust him. And we get to come to him and say, our father, as citizens of the kingdom of God, we are, to free, we are free to pray with intimacy like Christ and say to God, our father. Secondly, we are able to pray with confidence. Citizens of the kingdom of God pray with confidence in Christ. Now, the, the, the scripture says, our father in heaven. We are praying from earth in time and space while our God, our Father, is in heaven and beyond time and beyond space. And we need to appreciate what a privilege this is. We, finite creatures, are able to connect with eternal God, this God who is beyond us and better than us in every way, is willing to connect with us and allow us to come to him. And we're commanded to come to him. God tells us to come to him and to do it with confidence. It says in Hebrews chapter four, verse 16, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We're able to come to God in confidence, not because of our sufficiency, but because of Jesus Christ. Friends, if you're coming to God in prayer and you're saying something foolish like, okay, God, I came to church today, you owe me. Okay, God, I gave a few bucks. You owe me. Okay, God, you know I can't stand that person, and I've been nice to them for a week, 30 minutes. You owe me. If you're coming to God in prayer, thinking on the sufficiency of what you've done, you have no confidence. Where our confidence comes is because we come in the name of Jesus. We come because Christ makes it possible for us to come because of mercy, because of grace. We can pursue God in his mercy and grace with confidence because of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 10, 19 says this. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confidence of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Christ came and he removed the barriers. 
He removed the barriers of our dirtiness, of our sin. And so by his death and resurrection, we now have forgiveness of sin and we've been given the righteousness of Christ. We who were once dead now are alive. So not only do we have a right standing with God and we can now enter into his presence, but we need not be afraid. We have life and we have purpose. We, we know that God calls us to himself and he calls to us to himself in Christ now. When Christ comes, when he returns, we're going to have that perfectly. But during our life here on this fallen planet, in our fallen flesh, we're still going to have difficulties. It's going to be challenging. And, and, and really, the capacity for us to have confidence will come in and as much as we are rightly connected to God. And you can know that you're rightly connected with God in how he is directing you, how he is guiding you, how he is empowering your choices, how he is moving you to, to decide what you do with your life. See, the further you get from God, the less direction and less power he has in your life to move you. When our kids were little, I got them a drone. And it wasn't an expensive one. It was just one of those, you know, had 20 minutes of battery life or something. And, and being guys, of course, the first thing we wanted to know is, is how high and how far could we get it before we lost control? Because that's what guys like to do. We like to get stuff to the point that's absolutely out of our control to see what happens. And that's what we did because we're guys. And all the girls are shaking their heads saying, what is wrong with you people? But that's why God designed this. We're just supposed to do stuff like this. And so we did. And we got the, the drone out there and I knew that we had lost control when the wind began to blow it and, con and completely control it and I no longer had control. And that thing got away from us. We had to chase it down to go and find it. And some of you are like that drone. You've gotten away from the control of God and now you are being pushed by the winds of this world. You're going wherever the desires of the flesh or wherever the culture mandates tell you to go. And that's what you're doing. And you've gotten away from God. He's not guiding your steps. He's not, he's not the Lord over your heart and emotions and decision making. And friends, you need to return to God. I love these verses. Zechariah 1.3, thus declares the Lord of hosts, return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you. Malachi 3.7, return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. James 4.8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. You know, the funny thing about that drone is we went looking for it. You know what the amazing thing about God is? He's looking for us. You know, the difference between us and God, we didn't know where that drone was. God knows exactly where you are right now. He knows where you are spiritually. He knows what's going on in your life. And he is looking for you to turn to him right now. He loves you. He knows what's best for you. He wants you to trust him, to, to draw near, to connect with him in confidence and, and pray to him and yield your life to him. And, and when you do, you're praying like a citizens of the kingdom of God. You're praying with confidence. And lastly, Citizens of the kingdom of God pray with reverence, reverence for Christ. The scripture, the, the prayer goes on to say, hallowed be your name. To hallowed something is to have it set apart as holy. When we pray this, we're asking that God would be acknowledged as he is holy and set apart. Now, the Greek term that is actually used here by Jesus, this word is hagiadzo. It's to feel reverence or to honor as holy, to hallow, to regard as holy, to honor as holy. 
And what this does, it reminds us of the complete otherness of God, the, the complete purity and righteousness and purity of God, unlike ourselves. He is righteous and holy and whole in every way. But remember, Jesus was talking to Jews. He, he, was, he was talking to people who knew the Old Testament. Now, the word uh, holy in the Old Testament is the word kadosh. And, and this word tells us uh, that, that God is totally above his creation and his creatures, including us. And the idea here, holy has the idea of heaviness or a weight of glory. And what this reminds us is that God is heavy. He is holy, heavy. I love in uh, Isaiah chapter six, when the prophet sees heaven, he sees the angels and they're, they're crying out, holy, holy, holy. And I, I put a picture, there's a picture there of the Hebrew text uh, with, with, the, with the English paraphrase underneath it. What they're doing, the, the angels were crying, kadosh, 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 heavy, heavy, heavy is the Lord of hosts. Friends, God is holy, heavy. You know, when you're carrying something that is sacred and, and, and very important and heavy, it requires all of your attention. I mean, you just don't kind of lightly, if something is very precious to you and if it's very heavy, you, you, don't, you don't just kind of, you know, hey guys, what's going on? No, you, it, it requires your attention. When, when we were uh, cleaning up with the tornado, there were people that were carrying precious things out of their homes into vehicles. And I remember getting a hold of something with a man and he kind of gave me that look like, you got this? Because it was very precious to them. And then once we lifted it up, it was very heavy. You know, that moment, there were chainsaws going on all around me. People were making fun of me. There's all kinds of things that were going on. You know what had my full attention? That precious, heavy item. This is how we are to approach God as precious and heavy with our full attention on him. Not man in the sky. Hey, hey, my brother. Hey, dog. Hey, dog. No, no. This God who is our father is in heaven and heavy, holy is he. He is the mighty one. And we are to come to him with that respect. And we come to him in the name of Jesus. And it's so important that we not take the scripture I'm about to read to you out of, out of context and to not misuse it. There, there are many liars and, and those who are deceivers who use this text wrongly. And I want to discourage you from falling into the, that trap. This is John chapter, chapter 14, verse 13. It says, this is Jesus, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now, what did Jesus mean by that? What he did not mean and what some say he means is if you just stamp your prayer in Jesus' name, then he has to give you what you want it. If you name it and claim it, then he's got to do it because there are, there's power in your words and, and you've said it in Jesus' name and now by the blood, he has to do it. That is not what Jesus is teaching here. That's not what the Bible teaches. What the Bible teaches is, is out of an admiration of the holiness and the greatness and out of a trust for God, 
We pray what we believe is God's will according to God's word, and we do so with confidence in Jesus' name. Every time we pray, we are to pray believing and knowing that this is what Jesus wants, that this is for God's purpose, that this satisfies the, 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 the will of God. James chapter 4 teaches us not to pray like pagans. Friends, don't pray like pagans. There are so many people who claim to be Christians who, who teach and talk and pray like pagans. Look what it says in James chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. Boy, doesn't that sound like the world today? People biting each other, fighting each other, arguing, wanting what they want and willing to hurt others to get it. Jesus said, no, that God, the word of God says, no, that's not how it is. He says, you ask and do not receive. Why? Because you ask wrongly to spend on your passions. We are to pray what we believe is God's will. And when we pray in Jesus' name, we are praying what we believe is according to God's word. It's so very important, citizens of kingdom of God, that when you pray to God, that you are sure to be able to tell him, God, I am asking this. I am asking for you to do this. And this is why you should do it because it's according to your word, because it is according to your will, because this is how it will benefit your kingdom. We, we pray like this every week. So if you look at the prayer focus on Wednesdays in particular, you'll have a prayer written out for you. Here's the prayer, and here's an example of what I'm, what I'm teaching you, what the Word, what the word uh, commands us in, in from, our, from our prayer for this last Wednesday. This, was, this prayer was to be based on 2 Corinthians 5.20. When you're praying, when you're having your time alone with God, the first thing you need to do is read the Word of God and see what God's word says, and then pray what that word teaches. Pray what that word convicts you of and guides you in. 2 Corinthians 5.20, here was our prayer on Wednesday. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So notice how we prayed Wednesday. Look at this prayer, and I hope that you are praying this, and I hope that you did pray this way. Father, Living hope bears your name. We are your representatives in this world. We have dishonored you in your name through our indifference, unconcern, and lack of holiness. How can you bear allowing us to continue as we are? Have mercy on us, O oh God. Grant revival to us that we might live lives worthy of your name's sake. Do you see how we were praying? We were saying, God, this is for your kingdom. Don't let us stay like this. Don't let us be a people who are indifferent to you. They're apathetic to you. This is not your will, God. Your will is that we be your ambassadors, that we speak and live under your authority for your name. This is the prayer that we pray in Jesus' name. This is the, this is the prayer that we pray that, that is out of reverence for Christ. It's not about us, although we're involved. It's about the glory of God. Friends, every time you pray, pray with this confidence, knowing that out of reverence for God, you're asking him to do what is best. Pray like Jesus.
Remember, Jesus said, Father, not my will, but your will be done. And here's what's great about this. So let's say your car breaks down today. Here's what you can pray. Father, your car that I'm a steward of is broken. I believe you want me to leave this parking lot, but not my will, thy will be done. Now, if you don't want to fix this car, could you get someone here that could fix it for me? I trust you, please provide. Lord, if you're sick, Lord, I'm sick. My body is yours. Now, if you want to teach me something or if you're doing something in this sickness, have your way. But otherwise, I would rather serve you with my full strength. Would you please heal me that I might serve your kingdom purpose? Do you see the difference? It's not just about you. It's about you in God's will. It's about you in Christ. It's out of reverence for Christ that you have this confidence to pray with this intimate relationship with God. Now, some of you can't do that. You can't do that because you don't have an intimate relationship with God. And some of you can't do that because you're so caught up in yourselves and what you can do. You're, you're, you're not really engaged in what God can do through prayer. And you need to repent. And I pray you'll do that right now. Let's pray together.